We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Mike, and the Lakers had a hell of a weekend this weekend. Five straight victories on Friday night. They took it to the Atlanta Hawks, who didn't really come ready to play, and but the Lakers made them pay for that, going up by, I think, 24, 25 in the first half. Mike, you were doing a sideline interview with Gail Goodrich as the Lakers were going on a run, and I'm listening to it, and I'm like, as someone who talks to you every day, I'm like, I could tell you were like, damn, Lakers are on a run right now, like as you're <laughs> interviewing Goodrich. And then Hawks uh, make a little push in the second half, but Lakers took every punch they had and then kept them at arm's distance, end up winning 130 to 114. Then second night of a back-to-back, they win a shootout in Sacramento, a great game. It was tied you know, at multiple points, I think at the end of each quarter, tied with two seconds left. Dennis Schroeder knocks down a couple free throws. De'Aaron Fox, who was amazing in the fourth quarter, especially misses a buzzer beater. Lakers get the win. Mike, really good weekend for the team. When the dust settles, Lakers have won five straight, longest winning streaks in two seasons. And due to some good fortune around the Western Conference, they find themselves half a game back of the 10th seed to get in the play-in spot, but also just a game back of the 6th seed. So I'd love to hear your thoughts, man, from uh, the view from on the ground, because it was great from my couch. Yeah, there's just a lot going on with this team. And to, to have it turn in this direction, you know, while unexpected, Feels a little bit karmic, uh, built just kind of based on the way that they're honoring the basketball gods uh, yep. since AD went mm-hmm. down. And, you know, I'm, I think you have to be careful not to go back and, and do the whole, well, there were the, what was it, Pete, six to eight games that the kind of could have, would have, should have mm-hmm. won. Um, because some of those have evened out now. Um, during this five-game stretch, and, and like the, while the Lakers have played really well, it's not like they they absolutely you know have for like for sure should have won all five. Even though like they definitely have, just sometimes those games mm-hmm. something flips the other way. And the Kings ex- game would be the most recent example of how it could have flipped like that. Um, and and I I just think that they've discovered something. And this was the type of question that I was trying to get from Darvin Ham or from LeBron in the post games the last couple of. 
once Davis went down, it was so demoralizing for the team. Like they were still able to finish out the the Denver game, and then Washington was banged up and just not very good. And then they went on that four game losing streak. But since then, they sort of found something. And I think that I'll just start with LeBron. You know, by by him being somebody that didn't back off of the way that he was playing. I think that really charged the rest of the guys, but there are also just plenty of guys that are just MFers yep. uh, in that group. And, and I think that, you know, two, the two that we've been focusing on some, or at least around that I've been focusing on some, and I wrote the preview today have been Dennis Schroeder and Thomas Bryant. And since they came back, the Lakers are now 16 and 11. Uh, they, they were three and 10 when Schroeder and Bryant first started playing against Detroit coming off of those thumb injuries. And that was something, Pete, that you identified at the time. It just it just made them a little bit more solid through and through. And I think that we got distracted by kind of the, the AD and, and to an extent what Russ was doing. But those two just being pretty good players, I think, has solidified things to an extent um, around what LeBron has been doing. And there's plenty of other stuff going on. But those two were spectacular um, in the game against Sacramento. And outside of, you know, LeBron's, not that you can go outside of 37, eight and seven. Uh, they were just so huge in delivering that victory. And that to me has been pretty consistent now for the last several games. Very much so. And I thought Russ had a tremendous two day weekend. We'll get into him a little bit later. Um, but you were talking earlier about the karmic idea of remember the game, that game against the Pacers where we lost at the buzzer when that ball got swung to Andrew Nemard at the end, I was like, I've watched a lot of basketball in my life. I was 1000% certain that ball was going in just based on all of the events that led up, up to it. Whereas on Saturday night, Fox had a, a pull up that it wasn't an easy shot and it was like a 30 footer, but he had made just about everything else in the fourth quarter. When he put that up, I was almost absolutely certain it wasn't going in because we are respecting the process. We are really, we have a lot of guys that are really thriving in today. And that trio of Russ TB and Dennis really exemplifies that. Thomas Bryant, man, I am so happy for him. And this was really an opportunity for him to show everybody how good he is. And again, he's not on a vet minimum contract because he can't play. It's because of health issues over the last couple of seasons and just his presence on the interior. And But really, it's this collective attitude, Mike, where everybody's really getting after it in a way that, and also like in a more practical sense, we're playing bigger lineups. Like one of the things that's happened with the recent injuries of Austin, Lonnie, and also TB is they're some of our weaker players in terms of strength and physicality. So now we're playing these groups where across the board, those are pretty big dudes a lot of times. And yeah, we were having a funny conversation on Friday on the Atlanta game as we're trying to close out the game. And we're talking about like, hey, how do you manage this end of game type of situation. We were up like 14 with three and a half minutes left, but we've blown so many of those <laughs> over the course of the season that that doesn't feel as secure as it, as it normally does. And we were talking about the idea of like, hey, well, how do you balance the idea of we want to run versus we're up 14 and we just got to get stops? And you made a great comment. You were like, when even JTA can run, you know, and that's something that just across the board, bigger athletes. That's one of the things I'm really zeroing in on right now, Mike. And I'm curious your thoughts on that up close. Like we look like a bigger, more athletic team that, and that collective size and athleticism is giving teams problems. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause I, I don't know if I'm thinking about it in the context of size, even though 
I absolutely feel that way just in general. And I know that mm-hmm. I think that this this podcast has established itself pretty clearly there, even though you are there's some parts of small ball um, that are very seductive to you. I, I think it's it's not tiny ball. Uh, that is no, no, yeah, I didn't. You, I never meant you know? like let's not have forwards, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So it basically, in that, and, and by the way, when they won the title, like their small ball, they were still really big, and and especially on the wing, like it was right. you know the smallest guy in the court was KCP, you know, and it was Danny Green and LeBron and Kuzma and um, AD and occasionally Caruso, another big physical yeah. athletic guard. But so like this team. The size and the height is one thing, but it's just the the spirit of this team, like the uh, the chip on the shoulder part in this, like when to bring Russ into this, when Russ is on his P's and Q's and when Russ is focused on defense, which he has been at times and when he's not turning the ball over and like, you know, he had 15 assists from against the Kings. He did take some bad shots as he as he always will, but he made half of them like he, you know, he scored 23. He got to the free throw line 10 times and he made mm-hmm. seven free throws. So like. He gets credit for that. And then you put that type of Russ next to Schroeder and Beverly and Thomas Bryant and JTA. And like and it, Max Christie, by the way, another guy who battles uh, in his long. He only scored two points mm-hmm. in 24 minutes. But Darvin Ham put him in in like crunch time because that's what he needed defensively and, and on the glass. He had a couple of rebounds. Yep. So that's just a group that and, and of course, Wenyan, it's just a group that battles uh, and and they are I think the other teams are feeling that now, even on that second night of a back to back. There is not there is not that back down um, that I think was understandably evident after AD went uh, got hurt for a couple of games when the morale was low. And Pete coinciding with this has been a if not totally unexpected, but certainly more than what one would have thought just kind of collective collapse of a bunch of Western conference teams. Oh yeah. I, I'm sure you've been like, dying to talk about this, Mike. Uh, who, which teams are those? Yeah, I, I mean, it's well, <laughs> it's not the specific teams. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Who was it that, uh, who, Oh, it was when, when I did, when I was doing the thing with Billy Mack and, and he, yeah, yeah. he said something I was like, cracking the sons. I was like, I, I don't love, you know what I mean? Yeah. I had to kind of get defensive, even though part of it's true, but it's not, it's not so much about the, it's it's the it's the conversation that we were having about Utah the previous couple of years when I didn't think they were as good as the national collect like understanding of that team was. So that's that's when I really get into it. And then there, you know, then there's one specific team that I do just genuinely hate. Um, but that's not that that has not been brought up and you don't need to guess. So <laughs> the Suns have lost six in a row. The Blazers have lost three in a row. The Jazz have lost two in a row and have lost seven of ten. The Kings have lost two in a row. And six of 10. And they, by the way, just haven't been that good since their start. They're, they're cannot get stops um, with their front court of Sabonis and Keegan Murray and Barnes. It's just, it's way too easy to score on them mm-hmm. as good as they are on offense. The Warriors have, have been awesome at home, but can't win on the road and just lost two in a row. And the Clippers have lost six in a row. So the only teams out of the entire, and okay, by the way, I forgot New Orleans, two losses in a row. Dallas had been really hot and won a ton of games in a row before they finally lost. But the only teams between three and twelve right now that uh, that are on current winning streaks of more than one game, actually of any game at all, are the Lakers and the Timberwolves. And the Timberwolves have been playing the kind of a soft part of their schedule, mm-hmm. uh, but nonetheless have pulled out a couple of wins. They they're still only six out of their last ten that they uh, that they've they've only I'm sorry they've only won four of their last ten. And so the Lakers have literally been the best team out of that group, um, other than Dallas. And 
that is the standings now are so jumbled back to basically erase Pete. What was the Lakers were seven games under 500 mm-hmm. and looking to the point of they were so far out of the play in game that it was just looking bleak, especially considering the uncertainty that continues to be there around Anthony Davis. And I know there's going to be some additional reporting. I think McMenamin put something out today, but it still is not something where there's any real semblance of a target date. And even that is to to me remains unclear. But so just take that out for a second. The picture, forget all that. Like they're, they're seven and a half games out of first, but only a game back of six uh, and two games back of Sacramento who's in the five spot. And they're about to hit a stretch after this difficult game at Denver, uh, who is 16 and three at home where they play basically the next two weeks, all um, at crypto.com arena. So it's just, it's just, it's kind of the eye raise emoji, um, right? Where, okay, uh, what's going to happen here? So Pete, just tell us what's going to happen here in these next two weeks. (laughs) Well, no, no, that's not, that's not what I do. I guess I could say what What? has been happening, right? And I think we can project forward off of that. And it's that first off, we just got to do what we do in terms of if we want to ascend up the standings, I think we've formally joined the middle class of the Western Conference. And I think that that's where we end up on the other side of of this weekend. And where to go from here, like to me, it's really pressing tempo. Do you listen to the broadcast when you're you're on the sideline reporter? Like like when you're sitting on the sideline, do you have an earbud to the broadcast? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, I have to because then I can't otherwise, you know, I couldn't like come in and have it not sound Jacob. So I've, the the Bill and Stewart in my ear uh, since... 2011 except when it's a national exclusive game right. then i don't have then what I, that then it sucks because i'll i'll hop this is an aside and i'm definitely no, these are great. and i apologize i i will have airpods in sometime to have michael and john in my ear then but it's always on a delay you know from from what i'm seeing live and so that is not ideal because I, I i do like having the live call um in my ear but on those guys, on those times where I, and it's a national game, sometimes then I will I will be able to focus a little bit more and I'll, I'll tweet a little bit less or I'll kind of be checking stats a little bit less because when when Bill and Stewart in my ear, I don't have to watch every single second of every play. And by the way, you and Darius are also helpful in those contexts because sometimes I'll be like looking up a stat that I can to try and supplement the broadcast and I will I will see a play but I will miss like sure. a rotation or something. And then I'll be like, wait, he was, a, was that LeBron that didn't get out to that shooter? Right. And inevitably Pete will know um, if, if Bill and Sue didn't mention it. So there, there's my little watching aside, but the point is, yes, I, I hear everything that Stu says. No, that's great. Whenever you want to share stuff like that, man, I love that stuff. Uh, so I've been cracking up at Stu's uh, insistence about our tempo over the last week, especially it's something he's been saying all year, but he's been really adamant, like Lakers got to run Lakers got to play at a certain tempo. And that to me is like, if like on a team with LeBron and hopefully AD soon and Russ, their greatest shared attribute is athleticism. And then you were talking about those MFers, the guys that just go and go and go. They're the guys that often kind of benefit from that. On these Monday pods, I have uh, football kind of fresh on the mind, and the 49ers have been great. They've won 10 in a row to end the season. They've been playing really well. And one of the things is they've got all of these weapons at different positions. They've got one of the best running backs in the league, Christian McCaffrey, tight ends and George Kittle, uh, and big play kind of hybrid wide receiver running back in Debo Samuel. But when you watch the games, one of the real 
beneficiaries of that are guys like Brandon Ayuk, who's really good on his own, and, and also Jennings. And these guys where you just kind of run out of – once you devote so many resources to the big name guys, you – if there's another guy coming up after that to kind of clean it up, opportunities can be had. And we've got so many guys that will give effort on every single play that can take advantage of that in ways that if you don't have that, you don't to that degree. And so that to me is the identity that we're coalescing around that leads to these results, Mike, is just this sort of like wave after wave after wave of athletic motor. And as we've gotten bigger, like when we were smaller, we still had that, but like your give a crap level only matters so much at like it, it it's it combined with your level of size right and so if you're big and you've got that motor i think that really wears teams down it it does for sure and the point that i want to zero in on is lebron here for a second because traditionally lebron has never really wanted to play in a team that runs that much mm. and because he's he's always throughout his career he's been so amazing in it dissecting what a team is going to do uh, in the half court with the basketball and being able to get to the rim when he wants and still finishing and getting guys corner threes. But I do feel like there's been a shift this year in where LeBron has noticed that the thing that defenses just completely can't handle is him in transition. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's, it's so easy for him to get those kind of buckets there that he does seem to be just looking to run more. Yeah. Uh, for for himself and then I think that collectively on top of you know Russ and Schroeder and these guys that just push the pace by their by their own nature the Lakers are second right now in pace um, in the NBA trailing only Golden State and it's it's just kind of by a hair and like they've been up there in in pace before but like they were in 1920 they were 11th and by the way pace isn't the pace is a little bit more complicated it's not the only thing that we don't have to get into all that right now but like the year, then they really slowed down, Pete. They were 21st um, in 2020, 21. Mm-hmm. And then last year. We were pretty fast. I last believe, year. I want to say there were, they were faster. They were seventh last year. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference even between like seventh and, you know, all, and basically tied for first. And I'm just heading into the season. I would have been concerned. And I probably said some of this about asking LeBron to do that much, but I don't know. There's there's almost a part of him that's just it's not like hard for him now that his mindset is like this and he's almost living off it. And he's almost because he's so often getting rewarded. It's like you have the the treat at the end, you know, mm-hmm. when you're when you're getting when you get done with the skill set or with the skill. So what are your thoughts there and how have you seen that impact LeBron? Let's take a break and talk about LeBron and pace in year 20. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think the, one of the hardest things to ask a player as he gets older is to be the player that creates the advantage over and over and over again. So those transition opportunities, the advantage is naturally built within the situation. And that's really part of the reason, Mike, why I view LeBron's superstardom as still being like a three years ahead type of thing is because he has the ability to identify opportunities and situations that he's just playing the game at a different level than anyone really ever has. Meaning that there's nobody that's ever had the wisdom of experience. There's no one that's ever had the wisdom and experience of 20 years and not just 20 years, but 20 years of being the guy on his team, right? Which is a different role than say Vince Carter's story where he was the guy and then he was a really good spot up three and D guy for a few years at the end, right? No, LeBron's still the guy. And so you've got 20 years of that knowledge of how to, how to master the situation. And combined with a body that can still do a lot of a lot of things that others couldn't do at that level of experience while also being just extraordinarily skilled. And so I think one of the we've seen a shift in the roster and it's been freaking ugly up to this point, but the team is fundamentally just has a lot more ball handling on it now and which Russ kind of is at the the pinnacle of that and that's one of the things I've noticed over the uh over tracking net rating, Mike, is over the last, since AD has gone out, the LeBron and Russ groups. And I really want to emphasize, these were some of our worst groups for most of this year. LeBron and Russ without AD were really bad. They were like minus 10 net rating for a decent portion of it. Those have been like a plus 28.5 since Anthony Davis went out over 13 games. They are just kicking teams' butts. And one of the ways they're doing that is both in transition, but also there's a two-man game, pick-and-roll game, where LeBron is the big, and they're just eating off of that, Mike. And so seeing that, that's one of the opportunities in Anthony Davis being out is you're going to get more minutes for that group. And now (laughs) two weeks ago, we might not have thought of it as as an opportunity. It was like, great, they might get better at that, but they're going to lose a bunch of games in the process. But that's one of the things I've seen, Mike, is like they've really started to click that group with that net rating 130 on offense, 130 offensive rating between those two. And I can get into more of the details on on that, but I'm really seeing an emergence of that two man game. Well, you're also starting to see that reflected just in the season long net rating. And Russ has now crept above water uh, and he was on the lower end for much of the first part of the season. Mm -hmm. And he's now a a point three overall. LeBron's up to 2.0. And then, you know, you have AD on top, uh, but he, of course, has been out. And then like Wenyan and Austin, which is which are kind of like the not surprise. Mm -hmm you know, type groups of the guys that just kind of come in and succeed. But you're right. Like the, the it's been reflective uh, in the numbers and in the eye test. And so what I'm now trying to think, figure out is this is as always is the sustainability and things happen in the NBA season. So this stretch that they've been in and this rhythm, and it's not going to, it's not going to stay exactly like this. Uh, there, mm-hmm. there will be something that shifts here, but if they can kind of, if they can just, hammer this type of style uh, into not just their mindset, but into the way that Darvin Ham is thinking about his rotations and uh, the, the things that he's saying in the huddle, which this is what I want to bring into this now, because it just kind of occurred to me. I don't go into the huddle 
as often as I used to, but when I do, I'm, I'm just trying to get some kind of a nugget out of it. And in the Kings game, Darwin was saying basically what I think I was hearing Stu say and what you and I were probably texting about where you cannot get caught in a, a half court yes. game right now. Like you can't, you have to keep running. They can't in, in any, he said something similar late in the Hawks game where basically like these guys can't hang with you if you keep like just keep the pressure going and now you do need to get some stops in order to do that but even off of misses that's where I think the tendency sometimes in, in the past and when like LeBron and AD are both in the game and if they do slow it down it's still fine because they're still able to create an advantage um in any time with AD in the post or with LeBron initiating and now they're just not as much if they stop and if they slow down then it's going to play right into what the other team's hands uh, or right into what the other team is waiting for them to do. So that does seem to be now a, a collective understanding and, and how long they can continue to sustain that because it's not easy. Um, I, I think it's going to be key. And I'm just trying to set some realistic expectations as, as to what that, that level of energy that's required and mentally and physically is is difficult, but it's certainly working right now. Yes, this is going to be one of the great storylines of the second half of this season is how do you play with pace for as long as possible? And that's something that we need to get better at because if you want to fly, you got to keep flapping your wings. That's something that we got burned on a few times earlier in the season that you'd hear me and you should have heard my belly aching in the, in the text thread, Mike knows, about like, we just stopped playing. We just stopped, right? And it becomes this deluge 10 to nothing run in 90 seconds from the other team or, and we're passing the ball to the other team, you know? And maybe before we get into the Nuggets game, maybe there's one more element to me where to just zero in on Dennis Schroeder for a second. Like, I don't think he's going to keep shooting 50 plus percent from three uh, as he's been just lights out in January. Mm -hmm. But he's been able to, even when things slow down in the Atlanta game a little bit, like he's been able to rescue and save some half-court possessions. And either by getting to the rim or... He does have a little grift in there, like by getting to the free throw line, mm -hmm. you know, by using his quickness to then create at least a tiny bit of advantage and then, you know, throw his body into a defender or whatever. But he's been able to do some, which means that LeBron hasn't had to do all of that. And I think that that's going to be another key where at times things just are going to slow down or the other team's going to score or there's going to be a timeout. They're going to get themselves set and then. You know, how do you get that possession where it's not LeBron dribbling on the perimeter and eventually sidestepping for a for a three? Because that's not this that's not the situation that Russ is good in either. You don't mm -hmm. want Russ having the ball in those slowdown situations and try to try to create something in the half court. But maybe Dennis represents their best option of doing it. It's still not super efficient relative to what you know what is ideal, but I think that might be at least one of their best bets in those situations that it happens. So if Dennis can keep up some of that rhythm and continue to grow into it, to me, that could be something that continues to be pretty helpful. Totally agree. And this is part of the dissonance between if we are at our best as this high octane team, the last five minutes of a close game are rarely that. You, there are things you can do to still push the pace, but you got to be playing defense. That's usually when you get your buckets in the last minutes of a close game between two competitive teams. If you want to get out in transition, you better get a stop. But guys are running back earlier. They're more focused. They're communicating way more than, at, you know, 
seven minutes left in the second quarter. And so the nature of the last five minutes of a close game is a slow game, and that plays right into our weaknesses. And so Dennis is actually very good at that. I actually think he's much better at that than in the push the pace type of styles. And so that's kind of these two different groups that are emerging within the team, these subgroups of like a team that can play big and slow, I think, and then a team that can play lightning quick. Super curious to see what TB and AD looks like. Um, you know, hopefully we get a look at that. But that's the type of thing, Mike, where you need guys that can create out of those slowdown situations. And Dennis, that is his game. He has that like hard to guard one on one. Um, I think this is going to be a, a, an ongoing storyline throughout the rest of the year of like, what do our closing lineups look like? And that'll be greatly impacted by uh, what we do at the trade deadline as well. But yeah, that Dennis being able to not just shoot well from three, as you said, but get some of those late, uh, you know, late moment possessions, super helpful for the team, won the game with that drive at the end of the Sacramento game. Yeah. And the, the efficiency that he's doing it with backed up by Thomas Bryant and the threat that he is now inside and him kind of catching everything and then finishing most everything, even if he's stepping out and it's a jump shot that barely goes over the the rim and that <laughs> still somehow swishes through, he's just defying gravity in some ways with what he's been able to throw into the hoop. So that that unexpectedly consistent interior threat, I think, is also complementing some of what the oh, guards yes. are able to do. Oh, that's a great point, Mike. Yeah, that ability to like because he catches everything right, and he's going to work hard to seal and what and whatnot. And so even and LeBron takes advantage of this too with kind of these lasers that he wouldn't throw to every big some of the passes that he throws to TB, but even the ones that he doesn't catch clean, he kind of deadens the ball. So it's not like it goes flying out of bounds off his hands. It kind of like a tight end or something. It hits and kind of deadens and he catches it on the second time. And a lot of great. And he's using his body to kind of keep other, you know, the other players that are on him off to some extent so that he can then gather the, it's impressive actually the way that he does it. He's such a big guy, but he uses great technique, Mike. And so that's why he's so fun to watch is because when you got a guy that cares, he gives intelligent effort. It's not just he's flying around all over the place. He knows what he's doing, when he's doing it, and will do it to the best of his capabilities. And is a big dude that has skills that can score with either hand, that's going to try to dunk on you if he can. And so all of those things, of course, that makes it a lot better, a, a lot easier for the the guards. I love that point. And now, Pete, if I can transition to Denver, he has a a very difficult ask, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. As any big would with Nikola Jokic. And this Denver team is interesting in terms of the Lakers because this season, Denver has actually had their least effective offense against the Lakers than they have against anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, They are, their effective field goal percentage is down. Their offensive efficiency is down. In fact, they've scored 100 10 or fewer let's see yeah 110 or fewer points per possessions or 100 possessions just nine times all season three of those nine have come against the lakers and anthony davis played in the first two games then he of course missed the second half but he was a big part of that certainly and he is one of the very few answers to what Jokic can do and now that that's not there how is that that i guess to me would be the first thing in this one in in how do the Lakers continue because they were not playing a ton of defense against the Kings. Uh, how do no. they find a way to, to slow Jokic some and to have a chance to let all of the, the style and the speed, uh, which by the way, again, not as easy to do in Denver uh, where they want to run and they want to score and they want to get up and down. 
How do you see that playing out, um, if at all? Yeah. So I think Sacramento poses some fundamentally different problems with Darren Fox in particular that long story short, I don't think with as presently constructed, we can guard Sacramento that well. <laughs> like that's how we'd have to beat them is in a shootout. Um, whereas I think that we've defended Denver pretty well and our personnel is more suited for that. It's funny from having, uh, you know, just the various basketball people I get to have conversations with now that know way more than I do. One of the things that I've noticed is a couple of them, and this isn't a universal opinion, but a couple of them believe that you need to have a Jokic guy on your roster, meaning that now we have AD, right, who's kind of can can do anything, but this backup big Dwight Howard was an example of this in the 2020 year, this big guy that, yeah, all your small ball concepts that you like to do with your bench and second unit, that's great. Go play Denver. Good luck with that. He's going to freaking kill you if you don't have a guy that's big enough to handle him. I actually really like TB in terms of that Jokic guy concept because Denver isn't really a team that can get downhill on you athletically from the guard spot, right? It's KCP and Murray in the backcourt. They don't have – it's not like a pick and roll style either because they run so much through Jokic. TB can bang with him a bit. Jokic isn't that lob threat that can take advantage of that TB's you know struggles to backpedal and jump off of a backpedal. And so – they like it's an easier matchup defensively for TB in particular to play them. That said, we got some environmental factors working against us tonight. Third game in four nights, high altitude of Denver, and first time at least since the first game. I, I think this is the first time we've seen Porter, and so this is the biggest, most athletic version of Denver that we'll have seen this year. And so, going to be a tough one tonight. They've won ten straight at home. Well, Pete, I just received a piece of information that makes this game even tougher potentially uh, than than it may have been. And LeBron, while you're listening to this, you'll have already heard this, but has been downgraded from probable to questionable. Oh, So we just talked about the questionable tag the other day, but one of the times that I am less optimistic about the questionable tag is when there's been a downgrade um, on the day of, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's one thing. So there's basically, there's a reason why you would go, you would be downgraded on a day. And in this case, it might, it might be that LeBron's ankle uh, is just more sore um, today when he woke up. And um, and let me let me give a little bit more context to this. Uh, I was bragging to you guys about my new skills as a meteorologist um, over text <laughs> the other day. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so this will make sense in a second. But basically, after the game against the Kings, and this was the, the second night of a back-to-back, and... LeBron had quite a heavy workload. There was an insanely intense wind going on in Sacramento that apparently was unprecedented in the area. Like the pilot couldn't remember the last time that he saw numbers like this. And there's a difference between wind speed and wind gusts. If the wind gusts are over 50 miles an hour, then pilots basically just can't take off. Uh, It's too, it's too risky. That initial, that initial push um, in, you know, look, it's, it's one thing probably like during a war and another thing, but I'm saying for commercial travel, right. um, it's we not deemed to be safe to do so. Yeah. And so the Lakers after that game, the game is a, uh, is a relatively long game. And we, by the time we actually get on the plane and ready to take off, it's already close to midnight and going to Denver is always known as the longest trip uh, that you can make. That's, you know, barring going across the other side of the country, because not only do you lose an hour, but the airport is way far away from the downtown. It's the farthest of any airport away from any from wherever like the team is staying at the time. So we're we're feeling 
that even if things go perfectly, it's going to be 3 a.m. by the time that we actually get to the hotel in Denver. And instead, since you can't take off, we're just sitting there and all of the, bless them, the travel folks, and, and shout out to Brady Stewart, who's the best, but they're now trying to figure out if they can get back, if the team can get back to hotels in Sacramento. But meanwhile, oh, the power has gone out for much of the city. And we, we even if we were wanting to stay, we couldn't get off the plane because they couldn't even bring the, st- the what do you call the thing that has the stairs on it, the attachable stairs mm-hmm. to the plane because that wouldn't have been safe. And then to get all of the luggage off with in this windstorm where you're seeing like baggage carts just like rolling across the runway. I mean, it was it was gnarly. The plane is shaking and we're all kind of looking at each other like what is happening here? And so while we have about to to cheat to the end, eventually we take off. Right. But it takes about three hours, um, three plus hours. And we get to Denver. We get to the hotel at about 7 a.m. So the reason that I brought that up and I have one more point to make about the weather, but we, the reason that I bring it up about LeBron or any other player is that yesterday, I'm guessing a lot of people didn't even leave their room. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like when you get in at seven, then you're Exhausting. basically sleeping yeah, or, or taking a nap, but then it's nighttime. And I know mm. I'm, I think a couple of guys still went to get shots up and, and, you know, shout out to those that did. Um, I, in fact, had to wake up after a couple of hours because three of my best friends um, all happened to be at the Broncos Chargers game. And I was like, you know, I'm not going to get to see a couple of these guys if I don't go. So I just, you know, I don't have to play basketball, though. And I now mm. I f- don't feel great um, on this day. And that's because I so long story short, if LeBron, you know, or any other player probably didn't have yesterday to figure out exactly how they were feeling physically or was with an injury. And they may have woken up today you know, in, in more of a normal context. So, so there you go. We'll see if he ends up playing. I'm sure he'll test it out before we get to the game. Now, do you want to, do you want to get back to the game or do you want me to tell you the rest of my weather story? No, actually I, that's, that's exactly what we need to get to that right there, because it goes right into the style that they're trying to build, which is think about that. Basically you gave a recipe for exhaustion. And you add third, third game in four nights, really good Denver team, best team in, in the West, 10 straight at home. Yeah, best at home. We team. have every 16, reason 16, to lose this three game. Home. Right. High altitude of Denver when your whole thing is to run. And my thought is play the guys that can go. We, we need to build an identity, and we have been. This has been great. I, like The way Darwin's done this, it, just wonderful. Building this identity of this high-octane team. And to do that, you have to get used to playing at a certain level of go. And so that, of course, the counter push to that is like, you can't ask LeBron James to do that for 82 games. Then don't. Then give him nights off that he needs off. And give him shorter shifts if he needs. Like, whatever he needs for that, right? But then play the guys that are going to go. And if you lose the game because the other team has more talent than you, that's fine. But don't lose the game because you don't stay true to your principles and your style, which is you're building over the course of multiple games. It's not about a single game in Denver against any opponent. It's this building of we and what we are about that we are really starting to see the fruit of uh, being born from that. And so you can't have these kind of lifeless, listless nights. Like play Max Christie, play Winion Gabriel 30 minutes. He's going to go. You yeah, know what I mean? And so well that said. to me is how we need to approach games like this. Yeah, that's, that's very well said. So um, do you now want to hear the rest of my weather thing? <laughs> yes, yes. I think the uh, I, I think they were angry they couldn't light the beam that night, Mike. Well, first that of was all, the, they're shaking the plane, mad at the Lakers. You, guys, you know how they feel about you us. You guys can there. let me know on uh, on Twitter. I 
I really try not to have like the type of moment where I'm I'm doing like I'm being a reporter and I'm saying anything that sounds like hoverish or antagonistic to the other team. In my mind, when Thomas Bryant finished his last thought, because he was like so excited, you, you know, if you watch the walk off, he he just that he really is that dude. That's how he plays. That's how he is. That's his personality. Yep. And I was going to close by saying something along the lines of. Uh, no beam tonight, you know, and, and just sort of winding him up. But then I, you know, I didn't want that to them. I had taken my Kings fans. Look at this Lakers reporter talking about the beam. So I'm like, I'm just going to skip over it. But it would have been oh, kind of funny. Screw them. It would have been kind of funny. But I, but the win thing, and this is when I was really feeling great about myself. Um, even though this is this is very dumb. Okay, but I'm I'm like, I don't think it makes a ton of sense to to un to get everything off of the plane, you know go to potentially three different hotels. We're going to get to those hotels and they're not going to be ready. Right. Which in usually whenever the Lakers land in a town, that team is like, knows that the team's coming. So everything's laid out. It's very efficient. Mm-hmm. We all get our bags. And I, I was just like, when is this wind thing going to die down? So I'm just messing around in the weather app. And if you scroll down and I'm, I'm showing Pete now on my phone, you scroll down, you have to go for a little while. You go past there's air quality. There's a precipitation thing. There's UV index, there's sunset. And then eventually you get to wind. So I'm like, oh, wind. So I click on wind. And then there's two different bars on a graph. The top one is gusts and the bottom one is wind speed. And though, and then just a quick Google is like, okay, when can pilots take off? And I think it said the threshold is like is, is 50, but I didn't know that for a fact. The pilot wasn't sharing this. But basically, you can see every hour you can scroll, and it was midnight at the time. And if you looked at the hour, it was at midnight, it was 53. But then at 1 a.m., it was 49 or it was uh, 51. And then at 2 a.m., it was 49. <laughs> so I was like, well, if we just wait here until 2 a.m. and maybe three by three, and then it was going to like every hour, Pete, it was like the graph was going down steadily. So and by 4 a.m., right, it was going to be down to 44 or whatever. So I'm like, I think if we just stay on here and just wait for the wind to die down in, until the threshold by which we can take off, it's going to be bumpy, but like that will be safe. And that's what ended up turning out. Now, do you think I should <laughs> apply to like, I don't know if UCLA or USC has a meteorology uh, department, or do you think I should start doing hits for Spectrum News um, from a weather perspective? <laughs> what do you think, Pete? How impressed are you with my weather research? Not there yet, man. Actually, Spectrum News, it, sorry, quick aside, they're really good. Like Spectrum's product that they create, like just for a news uh, channel, I have Spectrum and that's one of the, my, my dad watches Spectrum News and it's just like, oh, this is actually yeah. really well Straight done. News, Mike, yeah. you know, they I have strong job. opinions on uh, on media being, being done well and I will voice my displeasure when I don't think it is, but the uh, the Spectrum folks do really good work. So, sorry, Mike, I think you need to, you, to crack the rotation over there. I think you're going to need a little more than your app. All right. You know that, look, that's, that's true. You could have, you could have just indulged me a little bit and you, you're the one that's always telling me that you like when I, when I share the ego type stuff. And now why well, I, I do, because on the shit that you're good at, <laughs> on the shit that you're legitimately like good hey, at, have some command he, over, be like, Mike, that was good. Mike, say it with your that chest. That was good deductive oh, reasoning. Up some, something on your phone. It was good deductive no, you look reasoning. Up on your phone. You're not Nobody good at else that. in the back of the plane was, was figuring out the wind speed. Billy Mack wasn't on there figuring out the wind speed. All right, fine. You're right. <laughs> Spectrum News is great, by the way. They do, they do do a really good job there. So I'm glad you pointed that out. Really good. Um, all right. So yeah, th- will be will be difficult if if LeBron is not able to play in Denver, Pete. But I I like your essential point about just keep this identity that they've had, uh, whether he's in yeah. or not. And and then you know, look, the next. I'm not saying that you're 
the last thing you ever want to do is like punt a game. And I, I think it's, I don't, I don't like the way that that's defined in the, in like year 20 for LeBron. Like that is different from load managing, you know, somebody that's like 24. And I don't even, I wouldn't even call it load management, uh, management. If he misses it, he has had an ankle um, issue. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's just this, this to me makes sense. And we will, we will see how they handle it. Um, if that ends up being the case. All right, let's get after it. 6 p.m. West Coast time, uh, Lakers at Denver. We'll be back tomorrow to see how it goes. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's in. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. A lot of Laker fans well, staying around right. for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, listen. Bryant, unbelievable. For the victory. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.